everyone. My name is Aaron. I am the youth pastor here at Faith, and I am so excited to be uh, getting to teach to you a little bit about what God has been teaching me over in the book of Mark. And so if you have a Bible with you, you can open that up, find the book of Mark, and we're going to be there today. Before we get there, though, I want us to kind of get into a little bit of a mindset. I want us to think about a time. Maybe there's been a time in your life when you've been hanging out with a group of friends, right? You're with your group of friends, and maybe someone says a joke, and everyone starts to laugh and have a good time, but then you're kind of like the outsider, right? Like you kind of don't get it, and you kind of stand there, and you're like, ha, yeah, okay, right? And then you're kind of like, wait, why am I missing this? Like what's the, what, what's the joke? What's the punchline? Like am I really that far off of what's happening uh, in this, in the joke or what? What is it? And you kind of feel a little vulnerable, right? And you're kind of sitting there like, what, what is going on? Or maybe there's been uh, a time that someone, I, as a youth pastor, hang out with a lot of teenagers, and teenagers uh, love to watch YouTube. Uh, and if you don't know what YouTube is, you, uh, meet, you're, you're a little older than me, okay? Um, let's just put that there. But they love to watch YouTube and Netflix, and so all the time, uh, some student will come up to me and be like, Aaron, you have to watch this video. It's hilarious. I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. I'm so excited. And I'm standing there, and I'm watching it, and I'm going, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm thinking in my head, like, how can I get out of this? Like, uh, is this really funny? Am I that old? Right? It's like, like, and then usually at the end of it, they go, Hey, I got another one. And you're like, okay, yeah, I got to go. Like, something else is here, right? Like, it's not that good. But, you know, you're just thinking to yourself, like, are you kidding me? Like, right? You're like, you're so like, what? Or maybe there's been a time when someone's texted you something, right? And, and sometimes with texting, it's so fun because it's a little confusing at times, right? Maybe someone was supposed to text you, let's eat, Grandma, right? And you're like, oh, that sounds like a great, yeah, let's eat, Grandma, let's go eat. But they actually text you, let's eat grandma. And you're like, whoa, whoa. Like, I don't know about that. Like, you're a little confused. You're like, okay, guys, come on, teenagers. Let's find that comma button, right? Like, it's a big difference, right? But there's times in our lives that we are talking with people or there's times in our lives uh, where we're confused and where we feel left out and we feel like a little of the outsider and we're not sure what's really going on. And that just happens in day-to-day lives. But I think it also happens when we look at our Bibles and we read the Word of God. There's times that we feel a bit confused about what we're reading. There's times that we open up the Bible and we're we're not really sure what God is trying to teach us. Maybe you've even like, you're you're like a parent, you've set aside aside time, Uh, the coffee's made, the kids are still... Uh, like sleeping or they're already at school and and you open up your Bible and you're like, okay, this is the time I'm going to, I'm going to read my Bible. This is going to be good. And then you read something and you go like, what? Like, what is going on here? Like, that makes no sense. I'm so confused by what is going on. You thought it was going to be some life-changing moment, but then you get to it and you go, I'm so confused. Maybe you're even more confused about life after reading uh, the Bible than beforehand. 
Now, I've been in, in ministry, in youth ministry for a long time, for like almost 10 years now. And I've been uh, going to church all my life. My parents are right over there. They've been bringing me to church all my life. And there's still times that I open up the Bible and read something and go, God, what are you, what are you saying in here? Right? Like, what, is, what does this mean for me? Like, how does this relate to my life? And what's crazy is, like, yeah, we might have times like this, but luckily, over since the time of Jesus, people have been confused about what Jesus is saying or what Jesus is doing. And so we uh, aren't the only ones that get confused every once in a while. And so today, we're going to be looking at something that's a little confusing. And Jesus sees that it's a bit confusing and helps us through the process. And so we're going to be in Mark 4. So again, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Mark 4. Flip there with me. Now, one thing about this before, one more thing before we get into this, is that Mark 4, if you've been in church for a while, you're going to know this story. You're going to have read this, and you're going to know the outcome, and you're going to say, oh, I already know what this is, Aaron. You know, like, I can, I've, I've heard this sermon before or a couple times. I know what's happening. And I don't want us to just kind of glaze past it. If you're in the place where you think, oh, I know the Bible, I got it figured out, I think that's just an excuse to be a lazy Christian, right? And lazy Christians are boring. And I don't have time to hang out with boring people, okay? I'm not tuning my own horn, but I'm pretty awesome, Okay. And so I don't want us to just kind of glaze through the Bible. I don't want us just to say, oh, I've heard this story. Oh, it's Mark 4. Oh, we've been there. We've been, I've heard this. Let's just go on. Okay, right? I want us to take some time to actually think about what God is doing here, what Jesus is saying, and how that relates to us today. What does God have for us? I was uh, mentoring this student, and he had kind of come to Christ not that long ago. He'd only been a Christian for not even a year. And we were meeting uh, week to week, and every week I'd say, hey, it's important to be in God's Word. What have you learned? What are you reading? One week, you know, some weeks he goes, ah, I didn't really get to it, or ah, there's nothing. One week he comes in, he goes, Aaron, did you know there's this guy named Abraham? And Abraham is this old dude. He's dead now, but he's way back in the beginning of the Bible. He goes, there's this guy, Abraham. God tells him to go and sacrifice his son on this mountain. And they're going up the mountain, and his kid knows that he's going to sacrifice him. And right before he kills his son, God tells him to stop. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, yeah, I know the story. I've read it many times. But he's like, it's so crazy that he almost did that. And then I sat there and went, that is a crazy story. When we stop and really see what God and what Jesus are telling us, I think it's life-changing stuff. And so I don't want us to just glaze past this. So now we are going to open up our Bibles. And what I like to do is kind of read little sections of it and kind of chew on it and look at it a little bit. So Mark 4, verses 1 through 3 is where we're going to be at. And this is the parable of the sower. Verse 1. And again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea 
on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. All right, so let's take a minute there to look at this. There's this massive group of people. If you were here last week in chapter 3, verse 9, Jesus actually calls his disciples, hey, go get a boat ready. I need this boat, but then we never talked about it. Now we see this boat kind of coming into play. And in verse 9, it says, this crowd is so big, lest they crush him. Okay, so this is a massive crowd of people pushing in on Jesus. And Jesus is like, hey, I need some space, right? There's that one guy that kind of smells like fish. And you're like, dude, come on, back off, right? You're like, I don't know if there's deodorant, but there should be like God, right? Or like, you know, Aaron, I like my personal space, right? Someone like a couple weeks ago came to give me a hug and I gave him a double high five. I was like, there you go. Yeah, all right, see ya. All right, yeah, okay. So I, I know what Jesus is saying here, right? Like, okay, let's back it up a bit. These guys, there's such a big crowd, they're gonna crush him. So he hops onto this boat. He's kind of offshore a bit. There's this massive crowd. There's probably other boats around him as well that are trying to listen in to what he has to say. And then he says this word, this thing, that he's going to speak in parables. Now, a parable is simply this, a practical story that illustrates a spiritual truth. So there is this this story that the people of the time can relate to, but underneath that story, there's something bigger happening. All right, and what's interesting is that Jesus, from this time forward, almost all the time uh, when he's in public settings, he'll speak in parables. All right, so this isn't just something, this one-time thing that Jesus does. But this, he does this over and over. And so I want us to look, when we look at these parables, is quick three things how we should look at parables, how we should read parables. The first one is listen from the perspective of the hearer. So we need to put ourselves into the story. So when we hear the parable here in a few seconds, I want us to put ourselves there. Act like you're there in the scene. That you are there among the great crowd. You are there on the sea. You are looking at Jesus out in the boat, wanting just to hear what he has to say. The second big thing is to look for the main point. Sometimes we can analyze every little detail and try to figure everything out. I think we should look for a main theme that Jesus is speaking about. And then lastly, when we find that main point and that spiritual truth that's in there, it has to be something that changes our perspective. Right? You can't just read it and then go, oh, this is good, cool, talk to you later, Jesus. But it actually has to be something that changes us. So let's continue on and listen to the story, the parable that Jesus says to this massive crowd. Verse 3, listen, a sower went out to sow. And that is a farmer who's throwing his seeds out into the field. A farmer throwing his seeds out there. And he sowed. Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain 
growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And Jesus said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus has this massive crowd and he says this parable. And it's kind of interesting. This story that Jesus says isn't the one I would say. If there was a massive crowd listening to me, I would be telling about like, you need to repent. Or this is how you become in a relationship with God. Or this is what you need to do. These are the things you need to change. But Jesus tells this weird story about a bad farmer who's throwing his seeds around on all these places. And then, at the end of it, he's standing, he's like in this boat, Jesus is in this boat, he says, hey, there's some seeds thrown around, those who have here, listen, and I see him just sitting there, and then after that, he just kind of rows away, right? He just kind of like, he leaves, kind of drops the oar, the mic, and just left. And people are on the, on the shore just going like, what just happened? What's going on here? Remember that time you maybe have felt like an outsider in the joke? Maybe it's that same feeling those people are going through at this moment. Am I missing something? Like I came to hear this great speaker, Jesus, who's been healing people and doing these crazy things, and now he says this weird story about a farmer? What's, what's going on here? There's no follow-up. Jesus doesn't really give an explanation to the group of people, to this giant crowd. So maybe the people on the sidelines are thinking like, what's the moral? Don't be a bad farmer? Okay, I got it. Right? Most of these people are farmers. Watch where you throw your seeds at? Okay, good. I'm guessing a majority of the crowd is kind of lost here. I'm guessing some of them are a little excited. Also, they're like, hey, church is out early. Sweet. Like, let's hit up Muchas. There's not going to be a short, there's going to be short lines. Or let's go hiking. Or like, I got to get the house ready because a graduation party's right. There's that group. And then there's also another smaller group that realizes there is something going on here. That there is something a little deeper into this story than just a story about a bad farmer. Now, the disciples are just as confused as everyone else. They don't fully understand, but I think they do know, okay, Jesus is speaking about something bigger here. And we see this, if you wanted to, you could go to Matthew 13. It's another book in the Bible. You could flip back a few pages, and it shares this exact same story. And it says the disciples, they come to Jesus, and they ask ask him a question. They say, why do you speak in parables to the crowds? Right? And what they're trying to do is actually just kind of save face. Right? Have you ever been like, like, hey, I know the answer to the question, but if you could tell my friend Brian here the answer, that would be really helpful for him, not me. Right? Like, I, got, I know where you're speaking in parables, but Brian has no clue, so you should tell him. And so they're trying to kind of like figure it out, and they know that there's something there, but they don't really know what it is. And then Jesus realizes and he sees, okay, they are a little lost. I'm going to help them with this. So let's look back in the verses. Verse 10, Mark 4, 10. And when he was alone, when Jesus was alone, 
those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And Jesus said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed, indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? He realized that these guys don't have it figured out. And it's like, again, back to that friend, that time you're in the joke and you're kind of the outsider, right? And you're kind of like sitting on the sidelines like, I don't get it. Your friend may recognize like, oh, he didn't, that wasn't his real laugh. And your friend will take you to the side and say like, hey, you want me to explain the joke to you? And you're like, oh, yes, because I had no clue what was happening out there. That's what Jesus does here. He sees, okay, they're a little lost, and I want them to figure it out. And he says this, and the message version uh, says it like this. You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. But to those who can't see it yet, everything comes and stories creating readiness, nudging them towards receptive insight. There are two groups that the parables are for. When we look at parables and we read parables, there's two groups. To one, the group that does hear. The group of people that can hear and see that, he, that Jesus is talking about something bigger. That Jesus is talking about God's kingdom. But then there's another group that doesn't understand. And I like in the message it says that those can't hear yet, right? That it's nudging them towards something. It's not just leaving them high and dry, but it's trying to push them into a place of understanding. But then, so now we have this parable and this story, and Jesus explains the parable of what parables are, and now he's going to expand on what this story is all about. And this doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes Jesus will just say a parable and leave it. But this time, there's something even more important going on that he wants us and the disciples to understand. Let's look at the explanation of this parable. Verse 13 again. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And those are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones on, sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the, wor the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept the word, and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. If you have your Bibles with you, I tell our, our teens, like, God won't get mad at you. Go ahead and write in here. I want you to underline verse 20. 
And if you have an app, you can highlight it in there too. Jesus now goes on to explain what this is about. He says that the farmer, that Jesus is the sower or the farmer, and that the word is the seed, and that there's the soil are the different types of people. Now, when we read this story, uh, a couple weeks ago we talked about this as well, we automatically assume that we're like the hero in the story, right? Like, uh, I'm Aaron, I go to church, I'm a good person, I have an awesome beard, I must be the good soil, right? Like, come on, obviously, I'm good soil all day. But I want us to kind of, again, stop and think about these different types of people and how we relate to them. Put ourselves into this story, the hard soil. They don't hear the word of God. They don't even hear God's word. Literally, it says it's snatched away from them. They don't even have a chance, really. The word is put out to them, and they're like, no thanks. Or they don't fully hear what is being said. And then we have the rocky soil. They hear, and they receive it with joy, but when trouble comes up on account of the word, they bail. They really didn't accept the word as truth, for their life. I get asked the question a lot, what's the hardest part about being a youth pastor? And the hardest part is this. When I see a teen come to church and and come to youth group and, and be all excited about God and what Jesus has done for them, and then shortly they fall away. They're excited and they have this joy, but then something comes up Either they they have to figure out their life, their old life with this new life, or they're trying to figure out who they are supposed to follow. Should I follow God or should I follow my friends? And they fall away. And too often in our society today, teens today are falling away because, yeah, they're excited for a minute, but it doesn't become rooted into their lives. And then there's the soil with the weeds. They hear the word, and again, so they hear the word, and they're kind of excited about it as well, and there start to be some kind of growth, but then it says the riches and the desires are their focus, and it chokes out their desires for God. They seem so close to being good soil, right? That they're right there, they're, they're almost there, but then they miss it. And sometimes I think, oh, that can't be me. That's not what I deal with. But if we look at the problem that is happening here, it says the riches and the desires of the world start to become their main focus in life. We are like the wealthiest people in the world. It is so easy for me to say, oh man, I wish I could have this thing. Oh man, if I just could get this. Oh man, if I just got that much more money, I would be so much more comfortable. Oh man, if, if that was part of my life. And it might not just happen one day. It takes time. And it says it slowly chokes you out. It, you're slowly moving your desires from what God has for you to what the world has. And that slow movement might not look like much. And that's what it wants. That's what the weeds want. For you to change your focus just a little bit so that it can slowly choke you so that God is not a part of you anymore. 
But then there is the good soil. The good soil hears the Word. It accepts the Word. It believes and it produces fruit. Again, just like the parables were there for people to hear and people who don't hear, this we can see broken down into two groups. Those who get distracted from hearing God's Word and those who actually hear God's Word. So now that we see this, I want us to ask the question, how does it apply to our lives today? What does this mean for me? First and foremost, it means that we must be in the Word of God. As Christians, if you say you are a follower of Christ, this must be something that we are engaging with. If you think about planting a, a garden, right? You take your seed and you dig a little hole in the dirt, you stick it in the dirt, you cover it up, you kind of press it down, right? That seed is surrounded by the soil. It is engulfed by the soil. Are we consuming and engulfed by the Word? Are we just kind of sprinkled on top? Are we really into the Word of God? We are called to be looking at this. There's a verse I want us to read. It says Romans 12 too. It should be on the screen. Yeah, perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This renewal of the mind is actually telling us to think scripturally. That when we look at the world, it's actually us looking through the Bible and what God has for us into the world. Right? Not just, oh, this is what Aaron wants, or oh, this is what Aaron likes, or oh, these are the desires of my heart. It says, first, look through the Word, into the world. Think scripturally. We must be in the world. When someone comes to me and says, hey Aaron, I'm dealing with something. I'm either struggling with this sin, or I don't feel connected to God, or I feel kind of lost. I ask them two questions. I say, first, how is your prayer life? And second, how are you doing at getting into God's Word? So often when life gets busy, when things become stressful, those two things always get pushed to the back. And so the first thing I always ask when someone, uh, like a young guy or gal comes to me and says, Aaron, I need some help. I say, let's start praying. And let's start reading what God has for us. Because if we're not in God's word, how are we going to know what he has for us? So the first big thing is to be in the word. And that doesn't mean every time you open the Bible, it's going to be life-changing. Right? That doesn't mean every time it's going to be like fireworks coming out of here. Right? Just for me, just like preparing this talk, right? Teaching, I've been spending like the last three weeks reading this ver these verses, talking with others about it, discussing with people, looking at other books, trying to figure it out. What do you have for me, God, in this verse? If we think, oh, I'm going to read it once and I'm going to figure it out, I think we're again kind of missing it. We are called to consume the Word. With God's help, when we get confused, there are people in our lives that will help guide us through the Bible. The second one is that we must be devoted 
to God. We can't just read it and then leave it. It has to be something that changes us. It has to be a part of our lives. I tell our teens this all the time, that faith is two things. Belief in and devotion to. So if you say, I have faith in God, it's yes, you have to believe it, but you also have to be devoted to it. It has to be a part of our lives. You can't just believe it, but you have to live it out. And so we, yes, have to know the Word of God and be in the Word of God, but then we also have to be living it out in the world around us. I pretty much end every prayer in youth group with the same thing. I don't know if they've caught on. Hopefully they're not listening right now because I'm going to keep doing it. It's like I say, Lord, let this not be something we only talk about, but it's something that we live out. Because I don't want us to be teens. I don't want our teens to grow up thinking, oh, I go to church, I hear the word, that's all I have to do. But no, there's a bigger step of going out and living it. So we must be in the word. We must be devoted to God's Word. And lastly, we must be people who produce fruit. Now, we might think that means, okay, I need to read my Bible more. If I get into my Bible, if I start living it out more, like, fruit is going to just be produced in my life. I think there actually is a change that happens. It's not just trying harder, but it's actually a switch. You move from being the soil to being the farmer. That we are then called to go and spread the seed to the people around us. That we are called to spread God's Word to the hard places, to the rocky places, the places full of weeds, and the good soil. We are called to be people who are spreading God's Word. And that might not always mean, hey, neighbor, do you know about Jesus? Hey, coworker, you want to come to church this week? Like, yes, those are great things and we can do them. But I also think it's just about investing in people's lives around us. Listening to the people that need to be listened to. Being there. Helping people. I read a lot of different books and one of them says, uh, that Americans are twice as likely today as a decade ago to say that they are lonely. We may be super connected through social media, through technology, and the internet, but so many people feel isolated at the same time. And so how can we reverse this trend of isolation? How can we engage with others on deep in deep life-changing relationships. Are we willing to go and live out what God has for us? Because we must be in the Word, devoted to the Word, and producing fruit. Jesus loves and cares for people who have hard hearts. Jesus loves and cares for people who have rocky lives. Jesus loves and cares for people that have misguided desires. Because that's us. 
That is you and me. That is the person sitting next to you. We've all been in times in our lives where we've messed up or we've gone for the wrong thing or we've gone through hard, like hard patches in our lives. But God loves you. And because God loves me, I want to love God. I want to love others. And we can do that by learning what God teaches us. Are we growing in our relationship with God? Are we growing in knowing who God is by looking at the Word, by being devoted to it? Because when we do that, I think it's a natural thing that we'll start to live and invest in the people around us. And that's the way that, we'll, that we will produce fruit. The last question I want you to leave you with this is are we passing on the Word of God? If you look at this, is it say, are we passing comma, right? Like, are we saying, hey God, I want to pass on this. I'm like, I, I've read the Bible or I read that thing. It looks good. I'm just going to wait on it. It's not for me at this moment. Like, yeah, it might be good for them or it might be good for later in life, but right now I think, nah, not for me. Or are we passing on the Word of God? Are we engaging with it enough so that we can pass this on to the next generation? Are we willing to invest in others because of our love for God? Let's pray. Why don't you stand with me as we pray? And the band's going to come back on stage. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. And I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you care about us even in our when we're down and out, when we're going through hard, hard patches in life, Lord, I thank you for that love. I pray that we are people who are not just reading the word and kind of glossing over it, but that we're engaging and engulfed and consumed by what you have for us. Lord, I pray that we are not people who just read the word and talk about it in this room but that we go and live it out every day. Amen. I believe and I will follow you. We just, that they, the worship team just helped us to verbalize, to lift our eyes to the Lord and say, I believe and I will follow you. And, and Pastor Aaron's reminder to us this morning, his urging to us this morning is that our following Jesus would include not passing on the word of God, but passing on the word of God, right? And so to be in, to be a follower of Jesus then, we have to be in God's Word. Thank you, Aaron, for reminding us to, to be consumed by, engulfed by God's Word. And as God changes us, and as the Spirit transforms us, the Holy Spirit of God then empowers you to share, to pass on the good news of Jesus. So and the ushers are going to come in a moment, and we have an opportunity to give to send the Uganda team so that they can pass on God's good news. 
And we want to equip them to do so. We want to support that. And then, as we sing and lift our voices before you leave, ask God to show you, friends, church family, right now as we sing, ask God to show you what does it look like to pass on the good news of Jesus in your life this week. Let's ask him to show us that. Let's, let's worship him in song. Let's give generously. And then let's go into the world that God has put you in. Let's go out into those relationships where you are, passing on the good news of Jesus. Sound good? All right, let's do that together.